You're listening to Campus Review Radio. Schools policy reform focuses on early childhood and the late teenage years, but rarely on the middle years of 8 to 14. But the latest Australian Child Wellbeing Project report shows this neglect is worsening marginalisation of disadvantaged children in schools. I'm Education Editor James Wells, and today I'm speaking to Lead Researcher Associate Professor Jerry Redman from Flinders University to discuss the report. Can you give us the key points of this report? What we've done is we've carried out a national study of young people's well-being in their middle years. So what we've focused on is the middle years because this is being neglected area of research and also of policy intervention in Australia. Um, the national study involved first talking with young people in depth about what they think is important in their lives and then using their perspectives in order to design a survey which we carried out nationally across 180 schools, 5,400 students. Um, and We've analysed these data in terms of looking at particularly in terms of marginalisation. Who is marginalised in Australian uh, among Australian young people in their middle years, and what are the factors associated with their marginalisation? Some of the statistics in this report are quite disturbing. One in ten children miss school once a week. One in six have been bullied, and one in thirty goes to bed hungry. Do these stats show an improving situation or a worsening one? We can't tell from this study because it's a one-off. That, look, none of these none of these statistics are new either, in the sense that there have been other studies which have shown that young people go hungry in Australia, that young people miss school, and that young people are bullied. So I, I don't think our numbers are out of line, but it's very difficult to say whether they've actually improved or got worse. And this is obviously a really important issue for policy, particularly since uh, bullying is um, a policy item where there has been policy action. So it's a really important question to ask. Uh, how things improved, and we just we just don't really know that at this stage. Aside from NAPLAN, the middle years, eight to fourteen, have largely been ignored by policymakers. Why? I think it's the middle years have been ignored because they've been seen as kind of a period when not much happens. So, about twenty years ago, you had all this flurry of excitement around the early years about around plasticity of the brain and how when good habits, which are which are which are taught in the early years will stand young people through their adolescence and into their adulthood. And therefore, if you set them up right in the early years, they'll do all right in terms of their education, in terms of their human capital development and health, etc. And that's, that's had a lot of focus. And uh, no, it's, 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 it's had a lot of policy attention. It's been really positive. Adolescence has always been a time of interest and concern by policymakers because it's a time when young people take risks when they uh, engage in behaviours that are seen as perhaps uh, challenging to society, uh, when, when uh, policymakers need to start worrying about their health, their sexual health, etc. The middle years have been seen as a time when not much happens, but now it's very clear that physiologically, uh, puberty starts a lot earlier than what people thought. Um, there's a lot of changes going on in young people's bodies, but as well as that, as... Um, Anyone who works in education knows it's a crucial period in terms of, of the transition from primary school to secondary school. And one thing that comes out of our study is that this transition is clearly difficult for quite a few people. And they, um, they, they, they find it difficult to adjust to the very different circumstances in secondary school compared to primary school. What can schools themselves actually do to help? Schools? Well, well that's, that's a good question. I'm, I'm not an expert in education, so I'm very wary of, of, of making 
strong suggestions about what schools can do. But what comes out of our data very clearly is that not everybody feels comfortable or welcome in school. And it seems to us that young people who are in marginalised groups are much less likely to, I suppose, feel welcomed, to feel engaged, to feel like the teacher supports them in school compared with, let's say, young people who are not marginalised, young people in the mainstream. And so, so if there's a lesson here, it must be that every school must be ready to uh, adapt to the needs of a very diverse range of students, a very diverse body of students, because we're talking about a very large group of students here who uh, are marginalised in one way or another. And schools need to be able to, to be ready for them, to be, to be able to look after them just as well as they look after students who are not marginalised. Is a big part of this collecting student feedback and responding to it? I reckon that's quite important. Uh, that's one of our key recommendations that comes out of the study, is that young people are experts in their own lives, and that if you want to find out what works for the young people, what issues are important for young people, you have to ask them. Uh, they'll know better for themselves than will uh, teachers or parents, and certainly they give you different perspectives than will teachers or parents, and it's important to get those perspectives. And are there any recommendations that have come out of the report that we haven't covered yet? There are a number of key points we want to get across. Firstly, it, it's that marginalisation matters, that it's important to uh, be aware that young people who are marginalised and recognised marginalised groups, these aren't hidden by any means, are not doing as well in school as they should and policy needs to make sure that schools adapt to their needs. Okay. Another important point to get across is that um, monitoring matters. In other words, that it's just like we monitor young people's well-being in, their, um, in terms of their educational achievement with the NAPLAN results, with PISA, with uh, TIMS and all the rest of it, we need better information on young people's development in other areas. We just don't have that at the moment. So it'd be really important to collect that information. But on top of that, it's important then to ask young people, what are the priorities in their lives? What changes should policy make uh, from their perspective that would make a difference to their lives? In other words, we don't just ask young people about their lives. We also ask them about how policy can actually help. You're arguing that we do need a growing base of research in this area. Uh, the middle years has been neglected until recently. Um, there's been a big focus in Australia in terms of research, uh, but also in terms of policy on uh, academic achievement. But uh, I think uh, what's, what I sometimes call the soft skills, social skills, are equally important, not just in terms of uh, young people's development, but also in terms of their pro later productivity as adults in the workforce. So we, we need better information on, on, on a wider range of developmental issues for young people. Uh, that would include their health, it would include their relationships, uh, it would include their environmental and contextual circumstances. Thank you very much for your time. Is there anything else you'd like to add? We think this is a really significant study. It's the first of its kind in Australia. Um, uh, it's, it's the first that's tried to compare lots of uh, aspects of young people's well-being with that of young people in other countries. And we think it's important that this kind of work is continued and that policymakers pay attention to what young people tell them.